welcome welcome to the let's talk crap podcast and today i have a very special guest um it's um, she's a very well accomplished uh, person individual who uh, you know who's embarked on a spiritual journey uh, from a very young age and she's way older than me right now um and um, you know i've just gotten to know her very recently but the things the the, the things that i've heard and the things that she talks about is very is very profound and very interesting and i can't um, i'm honored to have somebody like this on the show um, you know um i'll just give a brief introduction of who this person is so the thing is yeah, um, i said that hi hi super ji yeah hi, hi. <laughs> i was just going to give the introduction after that probably say that. <laughs> you can call me Kanan. That's fine. You can call me Kanan. Yeah. So uh, I should have actually told you this before itself, but it's fine. It's okay. So uh, I'm gonna I'll I'll give a I'll just give a like a small introduction about the, our guest today. Her name is Supriya. So she's won an Inlac scholarship to Oxford uh, for a postgraduate research degree in art history. her research work has taken her to like many many european countries um you know to stuff for her to study her art collections over there she's also she also worked in the national museum in delhi as a research fellow uh, guiding students and teaching them in um, in 2003 she quit artistry to become a teacher of the bhagavad gita and uh, she's uh, like you know she's even served in the mayapur institute which is you could say the headquarters of iskon and start uh, several batches of international students over there um you know she's also like you know she uh, you know she helps uh, she teaches uh, uh, students and uh, younger people mostly i think uh, from our mistaken like about yeah, the yeah. bhagavad gita and like you know the isho isho panasad all these like amazing texts sacred texts um and she's like uh, you know she loves to read she loves to cook she loves to travel she's traveled i think to so many countries right now that i think like a lot of countries right now so she's you know she's got followers everywhere you know like she got people who listen to her from like iran to like egypt and so many different places and you know japan also i think and russia and sri lanka and all these places you know so wherever she goes she makes sure that she takes her go over than she loves that i have come to know that you do that like they're basically stones from like the govardhan mountains near mathura mathura so you know she's like you know she's very uh, she's obviously very like independent and she knows how to how to do things on her own and she can she's very knowledgeable very intelligent and so let's welcome supriya ji supriya ji ji also like my cousin could <laughs> say so kanan that's like a over the top uh, introduction and uh, one like <laughs> what is really spread over 20 30 years because basically i'm like 33 decades than you right exactly so exactly all this, all this just to bring some a perspective in things down back to uh, do like a reality check it is not mm-hmm. done overnight it really mm-hmm. spread over years yeah okay so uh, that that's yeah that's how it has been that's right that's nice so uh, i Yeah, can I yeah, just say one thing? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, you know, when your father first asked if I would do this, and I said, "Yeah, it's okay, you can check it out." And and then he began to laugh when I asked him the title of your podcast. 
He <laughs> <laughs> kind of got a little unsure, and whether I would straight away drop the whole idea. And then I listened. So we talk of whether uh, it should have been let's talk shit or let's talk crap, and how you thought of something that will stand out. And right? and I can think of a lot of people from my line who might straight away drop the whole offer. You know, saying that how we uh, we are going to be able to relate uh, and fit into this podcast. But what I then I start listening to other other and what I really like that uh, it's like a normal conversation mode mm. and it's uh, friendly and that you're giving people a chance to express themselves. So that. Uh, when uh, compared with that i think i wish your podcast could reach a wider audience that more people would listen and participate and if there's anything i can do to help with that just let me know i'll surely let you know thank you so much for all the uh, like for wonderful things that you just said right now because like for me like i'm just doing this as like a sort of like it's coming very naturally so i'm not really thinking too much about it you know so like i'm not even thinking about whether i'm going to get a big audience or whether like it has to be something big i'm just doing it because like i just like talking to people so in that context i'm just doing it i don't know maybe something may happen may not happen uh, so let's see i mean i don't know and i'll definitely take your help if there's anything that i can <laughs> you know something that i can i'll definitely take your help for sure don't worry about that so i think we'll like so i wanted to ask you like so for now like uh, just quickly i wanted to know how has the pandemic been for you so far like what is it like like uh, the last two years how has it been well actually two other events happened around the same time which uh, eclipsed say, the effect and the experience of the pandemic one is of course that couple of months after the pandemic got serious here last may my father passed away Mm. and uh, was it five and he had been ailing and for at least a month before he passed away it was kind of high tension critical although of course we were prepared and he was prepared and used to talk openly about his eventual end because he is also in this line he also mm-hmm. took the spirit the last few years then a month or two months after he passed away and then there was so much uh, overload of things to sort out and bank and legal and stuff I fell from my cycle and tore a knee ligament which had me bedridden for 2 months I mean just getting by to get to the washroom with a walker and that's coming right only now like uh, this last July it was 1 year so it's coming right only now so I think uh, struggling with both these issues specifically uh, I mean uh, more the latter than the former it's uh, or maybe I'd say both that eclipsed my entire consciousness of the pandemic and to tell the truth i've taken huge risks of mm. course i've been got both vaccinations as soon as they were available i made sure i got my mom got our servant made help got but because my, my focus has been on these other two things sorting out issues post my dad's demise uh trying to make my leg work and go for physio physiotherapy and for cv and calorie ayurveda and x-rays and um, uh, you know a scan and what not to see what progress i've just really thrown caution to the wind and been in and out of hospitals out of banks shops you know lawyer all kinds of stuff so i cannot honestly say that i've been that conscious about the pandemic 
we've lost very good friends and even senior members in mayapur where i teach that's mm. been a serious i can see the suffering all around and uh, so uh, to speak honestly i wouldn't say that i am that conscious of the pandemic though left and right people i know are suffering and dying and losing jobs and be involved with all that but uh, in my specific case as mentioned there were two other things that it, entire last year and maybe a year and a half yeah that's a that's and, a very that yeah that's a very like uh, sort of very uh, like a uh, difficult thing to deal with like you know it's like going through that pandemic when you lost somebody that obviously means so much to you and to kind of uh, you know like to deal with that during this time when like the whole world is like shut down you can't go anywhere you can't like maybe relax mm-hmm. and not think about it you're always have to be at home so that's difficult but like you know one thing you can always remember that people are always going through uh, difficult things all the time so it's like you know you're not alone in that context itself where like, people will always be there and all that stuff so that is that is one thing and like you know like uh, it's it's diff- it's very you, this pandemic is very interesting in the sense that like uh, i think for spirituality it's become very interesting because now in, the, in today's time people are like you know like you said they're losing jobs they're going through a lot of difficulties and hardships and all that so more and more people are going into spirituality i feel now because they're trying to they're trying to understand now if if i'm not getting a job now if people are not like hiring me uh then what is like you know what am i going to do and then people are lost you know so they're trying to find meaning in something uh trying to find yeah trying, trying to find, to find yeah so like usually i think before what what used to happen was like people were very were at home so like i mean people used to work normally they used to go and they used to um you know they could go to work and they could travel anywhere so they didn't have to think that much about these like very important questions you know they thought it would always be answered but then when people realize that the minute you take away certain privileges that they have like you can't go anywhere you can't you know you can't just like sometimes you can't even go to some place because you know you haven't taken the vaccination so you know for these reasons or the other like it's very difficult so like yeah, in these yeah. in yeah so in these challenging same, times it's, yeah yeah let me same time uh, kanan just another thing if you look back on history not just indian history but world history every generation has had to um uh, cope uh, with uh, some big debacle or the other i mean if it's not the two world wars it's uh, some spanish epidemic flu. spanish yeah, flu every like in my dad's case he was uh, in dad and my mom but mom that doesn't seem to have that much memory of it maybe because he was or seven years older than her he says he remembers uh, shortly after independence or i think he's meaning the second world war that grains were rationed and there was a real shortage of rice in mm. even though they came from a fairly well off traditional rural background family so uh, and then the following generation somewhere or the other you're going to get it uh, it just is not the case that you can get through an entire lifetime and not have some one big thing that hits you you know generations and uh, uh, actually uh, shortly before the pandemic and i'd say all of a uh, year before last i was following up my interest in russian history which that is before the revolution 
you know i really love that phase of russian history the tsar the tsar revolution right that's right the, yeah 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 the tsar yeah they were uh, the, the i mean basically how the entire tsar family was overthrown and the tragic how more water than the short bed and the take to it because at that time i mean uh, the aristocracy in russia they were just so uh, overloaded with privilege and luxury just mm. so unfair mm. but uh, and how uh we usually talk of, of the poor people and how the revolution is supposed to set all that right so that you get bread and drink and so on but uh that's there but the other side the uh, even genuine sincere people amongst the rich privileged aristocracy do to survive that revolution and the massacre that took place in red square mm. and other places they they fled to neighboring countries finland and so on survived for another 30 40 years and wrote diaries and their uh, uh, remembrances they make fascinating because such privileged people they had a dacha or a country house as young children they grew up there you know and are full of sweet smelling lime trees they would travel they would have babushkas or this uh, i mean it's the kind of a grandmother yeah harsh harsh but and then overnight everything just slips out of their hands and they still continue on you know borrowed money and they build a new life so i don't think anybody is really spared it's yeah. uh, it is plain illusion to imagine that this world that we live in it's just it's if not one thing it's another and then as one of mm. your said this resilience i think it was your cousin varu varu uh, yeah able to, to change change is coming so fast and then mm. that you to survive will strength that's like crucial to so how people are thinking i think uh, like as you said like you know the uh, you know when you're talking about the russian uh, the, the the struggle there like people are still struggling there right now itself like in terms of uh, right. being able to like not being like almost being isolated you know amongst the rest of the world and like being cut off and like the whole like now russia is seen as like the enemy of like a lot of countries and there's a lot of uh, but then at the same time like recently i was like looking on youtube like the russian people are very interesting they have like there's this whole like bhakti movement that i've seen that's happening in russia right now where people are like you know like i've seen like i've seen this youtube video i don't know from where but it was like an iskon um like sort of um, like i think somebody yeah. from iskon when they set up the temple over there and then they there were followers and like they have taken to the culture of india quite like very fast like you know very quickly like you know the the women dress like they are wearing sarees and like the men are also yeah. wearing that traditional clothing and then they are doing that puja and they are chanting the names and all that stuff so that is like it's very interesting because like you know what is fascinating like in india this is a very common thing you know this like everywhere you go around you see temples you right. see people wearing traditional clothes and you don't even think twice it's not a big deal like you know you're like yeah it's okay it's like you know it's always happens but when you go out when you see people on abroad doing it you have a different like level of like introspection or you think differently about spirituality there because then you're like okay this is something that is applying to people who don't even like look like me and who are much more different and then you're like okay if they can understand the meaning or they can understand the significance of it then surely mm-hmm. like we should also right. be able to like understand it right because it came from here it originated from this place and like you know 
and it's spreading across the world and if they can understand like there is a significance in this there is significance in like chanting uh, krishna's name or like going to temple every day or like just basic things like that or like you know being compassionate nice and all why is it very difficult for a lot of people especially in, like especially in india the young generation or like the certain parts of our society that are not able to like see that side of it like sure, sure. Know, uh, so yeah i think uh, yeah you, you that that's correct it's one thing is certain people speaking very generally they are like warm emotional sentimental mm. it's very close to the food they quickly make friends and cross all the barriers mm. it's very different from the british because i've lived in that in, in britain for 3 years oh. and as you know a kind of whole legacy pre independence which many of even my generation your generation may not be so much affected we are carrying with us know english better than our mother and other languages i mean if we are going to pursue academics we are expected understood to go back to britain for their high standard it's what happened to me also but culturally there's a very big gulf i felt it and sometimes i used to it's just speculation of course but that if anyway it was india's destiny to be ruled by some foreign power how much better it would have been if it could have been the russians you know rather than britain because uh, it's much easier to relate and to like you are saying the russian taken to this even this krishna bhakti like uh, fish to water yeah that's all as for years under communism and the iron curtain and red government and so on they were suppressed from even uh, expressing any little faith they had in any kind of god it that i have read the books written by survivors who their churches were deliberately uh, turned into lavatories to make a point you know so, uh, so this is in armenia this is for uh, okay. also in russia so it's like for so many decades they have been suppressed and from following anything that is coming from their heart naturally now when the chances they have taken to it in a big way actually even china if you go to mayapur you will see there's a whole chinese colony and uh, of chinese who have just left china and come and of course they can still transit and go back and everything and keep getting their money from but, there uh, but they but, at this yeah, yeah. but china actually was always like part of the cultural system in some way you know like they they practiced like you know they had spirituality already in the culture for for i think for for a long time right like they practiced it like um no, they had hmm. yeah yeah you can't think of it ha yeah the communist government very much clamped down on all that even now the uh, the online programs that take place in mainland china it is all it has been it just has to be done under uh, oh. the iskon heat up their morning program give class but it's just all uh, 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 it can't be done in the open it's they're not what, allowed what, what do you what do you think about their like uh, continuous like uh, attacks to the dalai lama and all that stuff like what do you think about that uh, like you mean politically yeah politically like, yeah yeah Dalai Lama being in exile for so long. Exile for so long, like, what do you think about that? Like, it's it... yeah, but sorry, he was forced to flee, right? He was forced yeah, yeah. to flee so many when take mm. refuge. What do I think about it? I mean, frankly, 
i am not that uh, well up on uh, political analysis or even on political as you will find if you ask me questions i try more to the person and who is caught up in this you know and uh, how what he is trying to do to contribute and i think a lot of people are inspired by him he keeps seeing quotes from him being shared on social media and yeah. he's in a blog he receives whoever goes to him uh, and he is willing to discuss this is i have been personally met him but uh, this this that i have to say is you know he is in a space or place where he is trying to be make himself available to all those who are willing to seek or uh, turn to him uh, you know one thing i like what the, i mean it's very interesting that in now like buddhism like had this very unique place in indian culture for a long time you know it goes back to the time of nagarjuna who i think was in the northeastern part northeastern part of india and like he yeah. kind of he kind of developed this religion and then there's also this like it has a big history and there was a point there was a time in history when buddhism was almost like almost about to like literally spread its tentacles across the indian subcontinent but then like you know ashoka you know because of ashoka and then obviously like then you have the story of adi shankaracharya him coming in like you know almost like debating with people and then he's always seen as this person who kind of you know um, like kind of saved hinduism but i'm not sure how uh, true that is like because and uh, but you know i've always been curious about that 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 aspect of it what do you think about that are you are asking me to like explain or clarify yeah 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 uh in the vedic system that is i'm meaning pre buddhist uh this animal sacrifice some of it is permitted the animal sacrifice understanding that the uh, the animal that is sacrificed with the right intentions and the right way i mean this is the belief that mm. it gets birth immediately after its death in a higher species with higher consciousness and higher perspective but what had happened like any any system which starts out in a good way sooner or later deteriorates and gets exploited mm. so uh, uh, in vedic india just before buddhism came on this animal sacrifice had reached a horrible proportions and uh, that what was being perpetuated under the guise of vedic sacrifices buddhism came along preaching non violence and really kind of put an end to this that's the, that's the way in which buddhism is seen as something that saved india hmm. i mean saved indian culture or indian uh, religious practices around that time and uh, the uh, and i actually have right here in trivandrum a friend in a family that was fully buddhist ulpala she she retired as a bank manager in sbi the name ulpala itself you if you it's a buddhist name ulpala okay. mahadev her grandfather went as a pwd engineer to sri lanka many years ago i mean ulpala herself is it think of her grandfather he went to yeah, sri lanka and got so, yeah got so impressed that he came back and converted and his entire family who tamil uh, hindus of some kind they converted to uh, buddhism but it's hard for them to sustain their faith in a country like india like there are very few people here in these parts so uh, uh, so they are in like non violent and she grew up i think by uh, by her own uh, choice or i don't know if it was like a family thing 
that she did not want to get implicated in the killing of animals for the taste of the dung so she was vegetarian from childhood and her grandfather and her so I don't know if mainstream Buddhism means something I'm not sure about that I don't think so this is some kind of awakening or some realization she had and she adjusted her her lifestyle hmm. so in that yeah and Buddhism is very popular amongst young people also uh, uh, part of it is I mean if you want my take on it yeah, yeah give me your take it, no yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's impersonal doesn't talk about a personal god yeah. and young people have been you know they've been hurt they've been either it's the older generation they have issues with authority they don't want a personal because there is that constant fear that that is also going to be a cheating experience so impersonal religion like buddhism it, it holds a certain uh, allure uh, you know and you chant mantras but there is no concept that there is in Vaishnava or his faith of a personal God you know somebody feed and wait and you pray to because there is always a risk that that deity is going to let you down you know uh, of course it's survived eight number of tragedies and uh, upheavals but I think like yeah but I think like in, in life I think I mean this is my personal view um yeah. i've i've like kind of in my in my understanding of the fact is that there is some kind of energy or there is some kind of um yeah. energy or some kind of like some what you can call it anything like people always have to put a face on it but i would just say there's a, like a there's a sort of an energy now that energy does have a form and that energy does um you know sort of control everything that's going around and if you want you can name yeah. it you can you can call it as god if you wanted to like you know people can say that and you know i feel like i mean i have from the things that i have read and the things i have seen like you know this idea of dualism and non dualism no like where there's this thing of like people who believe in the non dualistic concept believe that everything is like one and the same everything is like just one thing whereas the dual is like there is what there is a relationship between you and the god and that relationship yeah. is like god is there with you like you will go through difficult times and god is there with you that mm-hmm. time you go through tough time and god is there with you that time also so he's like this friend that uh, he's like this friend that's there with you at every stage of your life you know sure. like my idea is like who wouldn't want to have somebody like that like you know sure. even even if you believe in like a non dualistic perspective don't you at least want to have at least an, an imaginary friend like that's what i that's what i believe <laughs> like at least like at least you at least even if like you don't even if you believe in the idea of non dualism at least if you like wouldn't you at least wouldn't it be nice if you just had just like somebody with you at every stage of your life like that's what i that's what i that's how i thought of it and so i was like yeah it makes more yeah, sense that, the, the dualistic perspective yeah that's a nice nice way of putting it Uh, actually there's a power uh, image uh, analogy that comes from the upanishad which is like this tree and there are two birds on that tree mm. and one one of the two birds is just hopping all the time from branch to branch tasting different fruits mm. and some of the fruits are sweet and tasty and some of the fruits are bitter and sour and so on mm. and the other bird just a witness that mm. bird is just sitting doesn't say anything, doesn't participate and uh, this analogy is uh, really for uh, 
that first active bird hopping around from branch to branch is you and me it is like the jiva or the soul in different bodies different lifetimes sometimes sad experiences that taste sour sometimes the nice experiences even across lifetime mm. and uh, the other bird the silent bird is actually what you call the absolute or the supreme or the paramatma or god he is also present in the heart and he is just watching and waiting for the moment when the first bird says i just can't manage on my own please help me and sometimes this takes lifetimes but there is a moment like it's a, you can pin it down to a moment where not knowing maybe anything about religion spirituality uh, caste country the the first bird says i'm just really bewildered and confused someone please help me and when that happens internally the silent bird which is like a sakshi or a witness starts participating unknown to the mm. first bird or the, to you and me the jiva the jivatma mm. so this is like what you said it's who wouldn't want a friend who you can you know from a beaver small they used to tell us this story i mean it was like a grandmother's day and they used to talk about this poor boy mother was poor i think no father on the scene they used she used to walk to a dark forest and go to some school or patrashala or something and one day the teacher said tomorrow everyone must bring something some food prepared so and we will pull it together and eat and the boy goes to the mother and the mother says we are so poor and uh, what what can we give so uh, i think the, the mother tells have you heard this one the mother tells the child you just pray to uh, gopal or krishna she gives a name and uh, uh, yeah it does that child comes back and child is not aware this is god mm. child says you know all through my walk, uh, you mentioned that gopal came and he gave me a bowl of curd a bowl of something sweet and there was no problem i gave it to the so uh, that kind of innocent turning not even aware that you're actually turning God or uh, turning to is I, I think uh, is uh, yeah I yeah. think like I I I think I heard a similar story where I think the girl it was I there was a similar story where there's a small girl and she's like um she goes to the I think the priest or something and then she asks the priest like um can you show me where God is and so the priest like you know if so she's like if the if God is real then if I call for God then he should come. so he she tells us to the priest so the priest just smiles and so he's like uh, okay i'll show you god but you have to um, you know in order for god to come and bless you or whatever you have to give something so then uh, she's like so the first question is like why should i give something and so then uh, he's so then he says like um, you know god is you know coming and blessing you so there has to be so the first thing that she has to like in her mind that's coming is that why does she have to hold on to the possession that she has with herself like uh-huh. you know why can't she just give freely or why can't she just completely accept that you know that uh-huh. what whatever she possesses is basically the possession of god itself so it doesn't that's matter right. whether she has to give anything in the first place so then like so then she says okay i'll give i'll give uh, she had like a chocolate bar or something that was the only thing that she had a very small girl she had a chocolate bar so she gave this chocolate bar to the priest and the priest uh, so the priest said okay very good now uh, now you have to pray very deeply very deeply you have to pray and 
if you pray deeply the god will come okay mm-hmm. so she's praying yeah. praying praying and then she the priest also the, you keep praying in the minute you open the eyes god will appear in front of you so then she keeps praying right. keeps praying and then finally when she opens her eyes now she uh-huh. looks at the priest but then suddenly a noise comes from the back her mother comes from uh-huh. the kitchen and the mother is coming to the kitchen uh-huh. from the kitchen and then she asks her uh, what did you want did you want something and so the, the little girl is the little girl is saying so the little girl is like uh, she just looks at the mother and then she just goes and like um, you know she just goes and hugs the mother at that time, basically and like so it's right. like so at that moment like you know god you know whether or not god is real or god is like not real for that girl it's it's i think it's based on it's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an event that actually happened where the so, the priest was trying to tell her that like you know god is in everybody it's not it's uh-huh. not like it's not in the girl it's not in like it's not something us basically but if Only god I, yeah not necessarily yeah. restricted Yeah. But he's all around he's all around parts. so yeah, when yeah. the minute the minute you wanted him he came at that moment basically so that is the right. that is the message behind it so something similar to that i'm not sure if that's the main exact thing basically the is really that like if you turn in, in genuine uh, despair and uh, if there's i mean you're fortunate you make some kind of connection and then you start exploring the connection hmm. but because this in the bhagavad gita from the 7th chapter which says uh, often uh, tragedy and difficulties are given to us uh, to enable us to turn like you talked about the pandemic and how it think people to turn to spirituality or to ask questions otherwise might not have asked at all mm-hmm. so this really there in the bhagavad gita so this is one of the arrangement such made for us suppose it's according to karma for those who believe in karma that you go through a hard time and then you turn and people in the world like will always have judgments will have something or the other against you but you always have if you're in the dualistic perspective you always have somebody who's like who you can always look at for in times of struggle in times of distress and say that you know you're there to help me you know you tell me guide me what do i do next and so you can take that time to introspect and then move forward with your life you know you can always you always have that strength to go forward so i feel like that yeah. is is more valuable i feel because if you're in that non dualistic perspective you're like okay so you can sometimes feel like okay yeah but i understand that we're all the same but then how do i get that motivation to move forward like what do i do next like you know it's like it's like saying that there's no there's no point in like trying to uh, do anything else other than what you've already done like you know but when you have this dualistic perspective you always have this feeling that i can try something new i can do something else if this doesn't work then i can do this i can be a little bit more creative that's all so i think you know i think hit the nail on the head when you said what do i do next right mm-hmm. i mean for example if now in front of me i weren't able to see you and it was just a blank screen i keep mm-hmm. talking to you muted the video or whatever it's very it's a very it would have been a very different experience whereas here yeah. because i have we have a 
and I might have se- I've seen your pictures on Facebook. But seeing you like this, I ask, is that a virtual background? I make a comment that gosh, even more like your father than I had imagined. So uh, and also to be able to hear your voice and to uh, your take on personal in a personal God. In fact, I mean, like you know, with Ganesh. He is known to love Modakam, and uh, you know I don't only upon maybe but Modakam definitely. So if you know the taste of the other person, then you can be a little creative and make sure yeah. that you make Modakam rasgullas for Ganesh. The Ganesh may not be interested in rasgullas, uh, what we know from tradition, and just as with people inside a family, say your father likes one thing, or your girlfriend or your sister likes something and doesn't like. If we are attentive to those details, then we can we can build on the relationship. Hmm. That's the whole thing. To build on a relationship with an Almighty is what makes us get unstuck from the glue that is stuck in this material world, uh, life after life. Actually, but about developing a higher taste, it's not more complex. It's not what you just develop. Taste for a relationship that tastes sweeter than everything else. So the actually in comparison, it's troubled by the disappointment of the relationships. Yeah, That's and like, the... hmm. and also like, you know, um, like, what is your like, um, you know, like, I want to ask, like, one one thing I want to ask, like, when it comes to younger generation, like. how do you think like if you had to like sort of i mean see if in my case like i got interested in spirituality because i went through a struggle in life so not many people are like i understand i admit that not many people are like me that will go through a struggle i mean go through a may I'm, i'm saying everybody goes through struggle but like like a major like a sp- like a spiral down moment like you know like that not everybody might go through that some people are very good at you know like maybe managing their life much more easily but in my case like i went through that and then i found this and then i was like from then onwards i decided that i have to put my mind into this direction more and more obviously there'll be like uh, things that will always distract me on a regular basis and then i feel like maybe move but then there's always i always have this mentality now where like every time i get distracted even for a bit i'm like okay just even if you're in, engaged in so and so activity at least always think about krishna in that moment or think about you know god or whatever that makes you that you know keeps you grounded you know don't that's it so keep it but then like if you like i have i know many people especially like people in my age and i have many friends who are not that who are still not that in like you know in, interested or maybe like uh, involved like want to be involved in spiritual and that's perfectly fine it's their it's their decision their their wish but like i was just thinking that if more and more people did even at least maybe 10% get interested in it it would really help their life in many ways like you know it would make them into a much more compassionate and much more caring sort of individual and all stuff and you know it would at least make them it would make them introspect on their weaknesses at least sometimes or their flaws because at least for the younger generation we kind of tend to think sometimes that we know more or we like all other thing like we know a lot of things we knew that we know all the new things that are coming out and the reality is that things keep changing half the time so you don't really you can't really like you know something now and then after 20 years the there'll be another generation that will come and say yeah, we know this and then then you'll be you'll be left to look like you know an old person after some time and <laughs> the things just keep going this is how life will keep going i'm 28 years old now and i i'm i'm like you know i know that there are going to be people who are 20 and 
18 or like you know i already know more things than you right now <laughs> so it's like uh, so i understand that you know like but still like you know like if you if i ask anybody people will say like, i'm young but still i feel like you know people in my age even till now also like the kind of uh, they don't think about it that much and they go, and when you listen to a lot of their stories and all stuff you can understand why because they go through a lot of difficulties and there's no way to kind of and there's no way to kind of rationalize it because you're living in a material world you're living in a materialistic world and in a materialistic world everything is mostly against you it's always like the things always against you all the time you know and the, because you're not um, because everything is quantifiable everything has a value to it so when everything has a value to it then you're also you'll be also judged accordingly to that in that context you know people will if you, you know money has only this much value a table a chair a car a bike or whatever it is all of them have a value to it so a job even right. like you know even a job you know like there's only this much salary you can get then there's another job which you can get you this much salary and then this much and this much you can keep going on and then there's an endless thing but the whole time you can remain unhappy you can be the richest person in the world but you can still be the most unhappiest person too so i think in that context yeah yeah tell me you mean to say that uh, these kind of people they are not if only they would turn and explore spirituality a little bit they may uh, start getting the fulfillment they're looking for is that what I you're think, saying your generation think, yeah i just feel like you know even if they don't want to follow it completely or they're not maybe they don't want to completely invest their entire life in it um like you know yeah. like you have like you know your entire life you've dedicated to it and you like you know you're very you seem like you always you obviously seem like a very happy person very content and very uh, you know very nice and compassionate person so it's like you know i'm just saying like if if people could at least maybe maybe 10% if they had gotten invested into it and just maybe try reading more about it try just understanding the bare minimum i think you know at least in that sense they know that you know that they can't do this they can't do that and that would help them in their life in some way at least okay just points one is as you rightly said each one is on his or her own journey yeah and this journey coming across lifetimes so somebody probably in a previous lifetime has prepared themselves and is ripe and ready for the trigger that mm. opens up a new you in this lifetime mm. someone else and it will be further down the road when that kind of trigger happens so works and they start looking inwards or and start searching around them for some solutions and uh, explanation someone may go through an entire lifetime and not be aware of anything at all uh, even if basically they are dissatisfied unfulfilled unhappy second point is i was also young at one time okay now i might be uh, in my <laughs> ஒன்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்ஸ்
I mean, I don't want to badmouth them, but they had said, "Yes, if everything goes well, automatically we will be supporting you." But uh, 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 there was some little politics, and some son of somebody appeared on the scene who want needed that money, and they just turned around and said, "You, uh, you are getting very good reports, so you can look for the money yourself. Uh, we are there, but don't depend on." that kind of thing on you know what people say in a position like they are hanging by a string because if they didn't have money big money big for the third year to pay in sterling pounds hmm. my dad was like tired from the uh, not not retired still working for the railways there was no question he would have supported this and it meant like uh, you pack your bags after two years and you neither here nor there and there are fees to be paid university fees college fees maintenance so i moved into an attic room with very little facility barely enough time to put, like just to move around selected my friends carefully couldn't move really with the big spending uh, uh, set and hmm. just took this as some kind of challenge and until then i wouldn't say i was a religious or spiritual i had a liking lord shiva I just like the fact that you know he walked around smeared with ashes and with this uh, demonic looking ganas behind him. I like the fact that he didn't care what people thought of him. He would walk around come out auditorium with ashes smeared and uh, so many stories that he was so detached. That quality really attracted me. So in some confused way I was a follower of Lord Shiva but and I was not really disciplined until I got on this track of scholarship and studies and so when I had a little Shiva photo and stuff so then the opportunity came to go to Banaras and to to Varanasi and uh, to for research so I think this was the end of my second year I was still all very uncertain what am I going back to I don't have the money to pay the fees uh, I had started there working in a shop in a like a fish boutique run by you know being paid by tower just selling stuff in my spare time and uh, but in going to banaras i of course they put me up as a guest of the banaras hindu university and then in the evening they said you might like to see the city i said yeah i like to check out the kashi vishwanath temple and then of course i went to the temple but more than the temple i took a boat ride down the ganges mm. and i saw cremation after cremation taking place that's how it is on those ghats you know will silent in their grief fire burning up the body uh, uh, it was evening and it was such a striking evocative scene it straight away got me thinking you know like what happens after death where do we go if everything is finished this what's the big deal in piling up all the achievements everything is just uh, uh, reduced to ashes in a matter of you know depending on when the time is going to come for you it may be in youth it may be in middle age or old age I really started thinking, and then I went back. I didn't ask any questions, but coupled with that was another event where, as I was leaving, I had finished studying the manuscripts and the paintings and made my notes. And a, a clerk there, he was not particularly a wise old spiritual person. He was just Mishra ji. He came to see me years later in Delhi. Mishra ji, he said in Hindi, "You, you, your family yeah. follow Hindi, of course." Yeah, yeah. So he said, "Acha, Swamiji, you are both very literate." ये सब तो बहुत अच्छी बात है आप ऑक्सफर्ड में पढ़ रहे हैं एक्सेट्रा बट आपने कभी हैवी अवर रेड द भगवत गीता आपने भगवत गीता कभी पढ़ा है क्या आई थिंक ये दैट्स व्हाई आई आस्क क्वेश्चन आई सेड फ्रैंकली आई 
afraid i have heard of it i don't know if there is a copy my mother reads the ramayana that's all and my dad is like an atheist in born atheist uh, so i went back and from the first bookshop in karnataka in delhi the first bhagavad gita didn't care which edition what and i took it and took it back with me because uh, i had to return to india and i started reading and i by hearted the entire first chapter no guidance nobody told me to by heart and i would just recite it spontaneously every day and i somehow felt this will see me through all the situation and uh, yeah another thing happened the year earlier in in england uh, this, this two things happened the salmonella hit and uh, the mad cow disease and the television started showing the situation in the abattoir and the slaughter houses and how this disease is spreading why mm-hmm. what the Post-fed, these poor creatures are being post-fed a foul, polluted stuff. It makes them fatter and so on. Some of once, I mean, I was really fond of my Kentucky chicken burgers and my fish, fish and chips. And I had my own money for the first time in my life. I was not dependent on my father and mother to spend as I like. And I loved all that and the bugs. And but I, in one split second, I decided I'm going to be part of this any longer. And overnight, I turned vegetarian. So the three things: turning vegetarian, then going to Kashi, uh, always in anxiety that where is the money for the third year going to come from? And if I just stay on in India, I come empty-handed, no degree, nothing, no job. Plus the uh, the the scene I saw in Kashi along the Ganges, all these deaths and cremations. and the comment of the mishra ji led me to in my third year i as i said in a few months i, I mean every day i would recite the first chapter and then i read the second chapter and said god this is telling us about the atma and the soul and this is the kind of information i've always been in but there's something more to life than just the person standing in front of you and the beauty and the whatever hmm. it went on like this after about 5 6 months I and uh, by then anxiety was really kind of growing. That what the hell? But before I submit, they will expect me to pay the fees. Where are these thousands going to come from? And I was thinking bits and pieces of money, Charles Wallace trust and this trust and that trust and whatnot. But it still didn't add up. Hmm. And I because college fees were due. College fees itself is fifty thousand. Then is university fees is a different matter. Hmm. And suddenly I got that from what they call the bursar of my. It was a small college. There are thirty-five colleges. Oxford. This was one of the oldest, all the ancient, 12th century buildings. They said, "Come to the office." They said, "See, ma'am, uh, by uh, some oversight, we overcharged you in your first year. So we have uh, something like uh, 2,800 pounds that we owe you. How do you want to take it?" And I was kind of zapped because that was the sum I needed to actually pay the fees for that year. You know. Mm. as a last thing expected it one thing to expect that you plead and cry and they will wave aside mm. the fees this is like a complete turn around they showed me the accounts mm. and they said how do you want to do like to do tell me put it into your natwest bank and so i said give me some time to think about this is the age before mobile phones and so on mm. okay. so i said i told them i said look then you do want to adjust it against the fees i owe you and i owe the university and that way that was such a miraculous turn around that it somewhere it settled that this bhagavad gita and the chanting and uh, my interest in the book had something to do with this and uh, 
then of course came this by then i was smuggling this bhagavad gita copy into the library into the bodleian library okay. you know then great thing, yeah the okay. great thing of uh, that you can sit up till 12 o'clock in certain library buildings it's mm. beautiful i mean you can cycle back nobody will harm you you just cycle back to your rooms and quarters you fix your dinner somewhere earlier you know and uh, they shut only around 12 o'clock certain buildings are at cliff camera that's the name of the building mm-hmm. so i would do it to get a peaceful and ancient and beautiful setting to really drink in what the bhagavad gita was telling me i would smuggle my bhagavad gita hidden in my books and sit there and reading art history i would read the bhagavad gita you know mm, wow so by then, yeah i mean by then uh, like this is i'm talking about between the 8 to 26 27 like what you are now so when i came back here in this frame of mind naturally i could didn't dare open my mouth because you're coming back to a middle class family if you say you want to study and teach the bhagavad gita they will show you the door because it's not financially viable you know so i just took a job in the in the national museum and carried on like that for 10 years and but inside that secret uh, real uh, desire anchoring, yeah yeah that in lifetime okay externally i am like everyone else they were looking for a marriage for me and i had a boyfriend in england who i could have married but then last minute i said no i don't want to end up being part of which dan donor devon family of doctors something is more is available which i didn't get in india because uh, i went to convent education something is there that i need to get you know which i'm not going to get if i stick on with my Uh, but uh, but I but that is a very difficult uh, place to reach, you know, because a lot of people I think would be like, if they were in your position, they would be like, yeah, I'll get married to somebody there, and I'll also like settle down, I'll I'll get a good job, and you know, I've got this education from abroad, which gives me the opportunity to like you know settle down, have a good life. and just do that and like continue doing the bhagavad gita and like can you read in the bhagavad only sometimes and then not get too focused into it because i i'll be missing out on a lot uh, but it it takes a lot of i would say like a lot of um, uh, like i guess uh, i don't know self belief or something like that to be like okay i'm just going to leave everything and just focus on this it's it takes a lot of uh, i guess determination you know one thing think what is that uh, two things one is that by nature i am an intense type of person that is a big pain for those around because you know like if i like something then i just kind of do that and that and people say okay some moderation it's it's better now because i am so much older and i realize i am aware more of the people and how they are affected and other thing was i was never a particularly steady bright disciplined obedient student So I don't think people had any very great expect. They were plain puzzled and shocked when I got the scholarship. Frankly, mm. those who knew me, my father, I think, always thought I was quite intelligent. But I didn't fit in that kind of mold that I would make sure my grades would be good. By nature, I was indisciplined. I was rebellious. I used to always challenge my mother's instructions. It was too much for her to handle me, so she gave up. You know. and i was spaced out tell the truth i was spaced out and confused not knowing what is what mm. but uh, and much of it is because of this very protected convent education you know first in calcutta and delhi and then stella maris in chennai 
then for the ma somehow it worked out that i took my masters in sociology in jawarla nehru university there for the first time is opened and saw students who are very uh, economically financially challenged background coming from you know bihar uh, up uh, so desperate about every single mark because it would make a big difference in their life chances this really shook me up you know the things that i'm taking so much for granted these poor boys firstly it was coed that was a difference from the all girls kind of convent and college very different when you interact with boys and i made friends with them very easily i remember you know this type and some of the names you know so worked up about whether they will clear this exam and that exam and so i became aware that i actually am from a privileged background dad went to iraq for a bit Baghdad, there is some extra cash as a result of it. Baghdad still it is not the usual tight shoestring government budget as it was earlier. You know, family budget in those years. That I think opened my eyes, and I worked very hard in my MA, and that part of the reason why this flew. My brother's role. He said he was already abroad, and he said my late brother. He said, uh, JG, it will be nice if you can also come. You just try. Who knows? And art history is very much your thing. You forget sociology now. Combine the two: social history of art, that kind of thing. And some of them liked my uh, topic, which I suggested, and my write-up and my interviews went well. So all these things combined, and I suddenly found myself on a track where a door was opening. And if a door is opening for me, if something makes sense to me, I usually don't bother about anything else. I think in that mood I came back from the uh, UK and took my job at the National Museum and everything. Mm. But I was again, I was like biding my time to seize that. You know, there is this famous Shakespeare, this uh, Tolle. This uh, what is it? There is a time and tide in the affairs of man which is taken at the something lead on to fortune. But I'm not. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I'm not really sure of Shakespeare's story. <laughs> yeah, it is really repeated again. <laughs> I don't know if it is Hamlet, India, or whichever. Yeah, so it was like that. I mean, I carried on in the National Museum. No, no chance of really even anywhere for Bhagavad Gita classes. It just didn't work like that. You know, I went for this, came to society parties. This groom hunting was going on in the background. That's kind of unsure, indifferent, not sure what I'm supposed to say or do. Then my brother died. You know, when my brother died, he was 32, I was 36. So we're talking about 1999. Hmm. Uh, so that, and I think I just seized my chance there. I saw the turmoil and the confusion, and I said, "This is the opportunity I'm waiting for." Of course, I very much grieved the passing of my brother, but uh, I think from within me, something just clicked and said, "In this total confusion, I can get away with it. If I seize the chance." For a different career, but from where am I going to find? So I started attending different people. Said, "Abaka, Manasin Shanti Vanangili, let her go and attend. Uh, there is a Bhagavad Gita class in this lady's house and in that lady's house." And I tried out all this. I and my mom were here. My brother died in Trivandrum, and my father was still in Delhi on a kind of post-retirement, money-earning kind of arrangement, some projects. And he tried to be, eventually pack up. So I went to these places and I didn't like them because they wouldn't allow you to ask questions. You know, it was not. It is uh, there was. I don't want to mention any names of spiritual organizations, and I'm sure those 
ladies who were teaching were very well meant and some men but i didn't like this that they were not willing to take questions you know uh, later i figured out maybe they don't have the answers or it is not the culture here for new people to ask uh, questions why like this hmm. so i fell out for that i sat the, uh, then the real thing was that the first owner and the relatives were telling us ini ella marana nammada avada ona sadhya kalikkan varanam you must come and my mom and i didn't want to be part of anything because we were like real failures in social misfits come back and with a debt on our hands also yeah, <laughs> yeah i understand yeah ever like whistling out and i had by then almost left got out of the national music job taking extension of extension of even then out of the blue for own up really it was to dodge uh, relatives demands they saw a newspaper ad bagot deepa interactive course powerpoints is going register for 500 rupees onam sadhi also included so, so you like <laughs> best best combination like go and like get onam sadhi you can eat and also you can like you know like, you know, somebody talk about god also <laughs> at least you can sleep with the afternoon profit <laughs> <laughs> like walking house it was in chasmal and junction oh. that time it was like something sent and join my mom join and i liked it from the first day the teacher was from coimbatore he was teaching he was himself here in what is that in the tata institute and then he quit he was doing very the baba atomic research he is one of those had this epiphanic moment where uh, you know he was newly employed in park and uh, he uh, he passed out to trichy engineering college and i think he saw someone from the next balcony jump and kill himself oh. it was another bright in his back mm-hmm. i think it made him really since one thing like quit and became full time itpa so that was my teacher in this three day introduction to the bhagavad gita powerpoints i could ask all the questions i like and i remember i mean i'm sharing this with you sitar that because we had come back here to a very traditional society and we were living in the ancestral house of my grandparents and everything during the day morning and evening lunch there uh, no lunch we used to come back and then go back in the afternoon first day itself i decided this is it i'm going in this direction this is what i've been looking for then that's just my nature i would come back in the evening tired have a bath and walk to a hanuman temple here around the corner with a big giant hanuman and pray because it was like a vaishnava god there is devi there and ganesha and shiva and everything but i could get to the pray that for god's sake don't let my ancestors close this door that's opening for me you know don't let the ancestors who passed away my apupan who i was frightened of and my bigger apukan was even more frightened of and uh, my amuma and with their conditioning that this is not at all a career uh, for a girl born in our family to date that to someone qualified from abroad okay i didn't know what they could do of course this is crazy to think like they may still have some power wherever they have gone after death and uh, to stop this and i would pray every evening to hanuman please don't let them block this door opening it will not only be what i'm looking for it may get out out of all the corruption that has followed the death of my brother and that's exactly how it worked out oh. because otherwise exactly how it worked out because from there i went on 
said nothing more is available in her intravenum it's a very small center uh, madam if you want you have to go to the headquarters and do a six month course there and then my dad was all in favor somehow he said check it out my mom agreed she came with me she also wanted to run away from the society and all the criticism here mm. that aspect is very there so we moved there and we uh, and then kind of different different doors kept opening they saw my inclination and they then i met lots of very interesting people international national boys girls men women people settled there people who are renowned and i said gosh this is a place where you can ask any question and get away with it they are not they don't become nervous you know so then they put me through teachers training then they said they are going to launch an all ladies course and would i be willing since i was unmarried and jobless i was uh, well uh, situated to take on this challenge so one that first course back in 2003 or 4 three months day in and day out and then amount of preparation that went into but of course my teaching was hampered by being more theoretical and less actual realization mm. because i was not in the field and not uh, long enough in life i was just 36 37 at that time 38 maybe so that door that opened not only saved me through me it i think made our family it uh, because it's often a brain game starts once yeah. a young death like nobody you know you can't you blame the other person it's all because you were too lenient it's all because you didn't speak up so that blame game stopped and uh, mayapur and so many other centers with beautiful guest houses became places people visited as a family and travel and sometimes would combine non spiritual locations along with a little bit of a halt at some spiritual so it everything worked out well because of the way you know so uh, what can i say yeah i am happy and fulfilled and uh, i would say from the age of 7 or so i've had this the feeling that there is something more that we can search out apart from just a good stable relationship or marriage children uh, career it's something something but there was nobody to tell me what that was what do you and think i was not at all yeah, yeah so but like what do you think like uh, when it comes to spirituality one interesting question i wanted to ask this is came again came to my mind actually which is like like yeah. the women's role like women in spirituality so that is something that yeah. you know people are like because the thing is like when you're talking about this whole thing there are a lot of people like i mean there there's like this people say you know that you have the the, the trimurti which is like vishnu shiva and uh brahma and then you've got like the other yeah. the, the feminine side which is lakshmi saraswati and uh, uh you know uh, what's i keep forgetting the name of the other what is the other one uh lakshmi saraswati lakshmi Sar- parvati parvati ah parvati okay okay ah that is the same same thing yeah. so you have this like males male energy and feminine this thing but um like what do you in but in the present day scenario like in in the actual like everyday uh, what what happens in like you know like these uh, organizations like iscon or various other places how do you think like you know are women treated a little differently or are they treated the same in that is there like a difference in that or what do you think like like what is the power of like like 
the biggest contribution that women make there's a huge competitive contribution all, 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 obviously but you see like a lot of the discourse still a still lot of men are the ones that are like usually doing a lot of the discourse basically so what do you still feel about it about that i yeah, i understand especially india the mindset is like that that definitely women are often denied opportunities to give the sunday class in the temple etc mm. to become food just not like that in the west you will see uh, the ladies on the altar that means they go yeah. they are trained and to, i have a friend to the pujari sister uh two things one is basically uh, in life and particularly in spiritual life one has to find one's uh, niche where according to one's nature and natural inclination when one can fit now for a lot of women they are happy because they are genuinely feminine inclined so they are happy to be doing and say behind the scene contributions the cooking the making garlands teaching children the shlok they are happy now some are not happy this is very important those who actually end up uh, agitating uh, sometimes rightly sometimes wrongly but i feel one if the spiritual life if you put a completely spiritual perspective on the situation this is as much as a trap as the trap that men fall into because after a certain level of achievement even within is gone they fall into a trap of power position politics mm. you understand yeah. that yeah. Food, that mm. way the women i feel i often advise when my like uh, female colleagues we are much better off anyway we are not going to be given any chances because of the cultural uh, milieu and the environment there is less chance of us becoming very prominent and famous preachers always on youtube having huge fan following because that holds another very big danger i've seen good 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 people climb to the top in iskon and then they fall into this you know they want the adoration that they don't get when starts petty politics pulling someone else down this is going on that's a very big trap waiting for them uh, i personally i feel okay now here we come to a mood point there is a verse right at the start of the ishopanishad which i apply in every situation that i'm part of okay which is om purnamada purnamidam purnat purnam vashishyate this is just the first two lines i am giving you basically this purnam 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 that they are going on you know purnam means full complete mm-hmm. okay you get me that's a mm-hmm. bottom pura ho gaya in hindi they will say aapka kaam yeah. pura ho gaya have you completed your yeah pura ho gaya education pura hmm. the purnam means complete and if you apply that particular verse uh, in daily life it means every situation that we find ourselves in provided you are following some kind of quality and your senses are controlled they are not going to lead you wild every situation is complete in itself there is nothing missing when we find gosh this is a problem calm your mind and look the solution to that problem is probably very much within that same situation this is a great tool more and more one handle situations like this Uh, you come to realize that the ishopanishad uh, is re- it works not only that it works that it is like a tool then if i am therefore by extension of that same logic if in this birth i am born as a woman and therefore 
certain restrictions are put on me which means that i cannot go on sunday i am not invited to give class for the sunday temple audience uh, whereas i am allowed to teach freely i have a whole group and then i can do online that is not a very big uh, handicap for me i don't think it is anything i resent because my situation is complete for my nature basically i don't want that kind of publicity i am much more a person who likes to guide people privately and individually and for me success means that i have made a difference in their life not necessarily that i am known as the character who comes and sits on that vyasa sun every sunday and gives class after brilliant class that suits some other people and there are women in iskon fighting for those rights okay let them fight let that's okay but i feel that that ishopanishad that om purnam verse the invocation mantra that every situation is complete why because it is coming or emanating from the supreme absolute person who is complete in himself nothing is missing basically every situation today i am sitting in front of you initially i had some trouble with the the zoom and so on or whether it is uh, any matter my health my finances my difficulties with other people i work with uh, the covid situation every every situation you can see the connect with god whatever name you may call him by is actually complete why because the situations have emanated from the supreme who is himself complete you see so then you see uh, i always and my mentor i got a very good mentor who passed away at 55 he was american uh, he was an iskon sanyasi and he was uh, the reason for my russian connection actually like he would send his students and then he invited me over one year before he passed away he was dying from a terminal disease but he taught me this which means that you through my practice and through my reading and understanding i any any problem that i am faced with i just he said you know he would say sugita which is my diksha name spiritual name you should see the elements analyze the elements nicely and identify the element that is actually the solution to the whole problem why because the ishopanishad is assuring us it's like that so it's about finding faith in the ishopanishad not parrot style that i can just recite the 18 mantras but try to make it work and try to help others make it work now for example in january this year uh, one of my bright students elena she was she is romanian mm. and she is third small kids married to an agarwal iskon member that agarwal boy died in a road accident in bombay on january 10 and oh. elen is the boy the man was 36 the second child is just 2 years old so when i heard i got in touch with her she was stuck in mayapur she went to see the body in her in-laws and lots of trouble now she's back with her parents so it is these kind of situations with what i mentioned that beyond the ambit of the classroom that is my duty and my contribution to society to see devotees or my students who are familiar with the theory and here is a opportunity where they may apply it or they may just lose faith and go away you know so these things happen in the background for me they mean much more than plonking myself on a public chair and yes it would be nice if i could reach another audience and like you said get them to explore spirituality there are i think i think you should i think maybe you could start a youtube channel uh, supajit and then maybe you can try to like because now i see there are a lot of women oh, i seen a lot of there are a lot of women like uh, spiritual leaders right now for example like i mean i don't know i forgot the name there was this um, 
recently there were like a lot of these uh, people coming out but in general yeah. spirituality has really become very popular now i feel because especially during this pandemic time when things are going uh, completely crazy people are like you know trying to figure out like meaning as you're saying and also like i think when it comes to this question of gender no like uh, it's very interesting some people always like uh, there's one perspective that people say that you know gender is just like a construct it's not something that is like it's not something that's real like you know it's like it's there yes there's a difference in like biology you could say but in reality like you know uh, you know due to some evolutionary tricks men emerge in a certain way women emerge in a certain way uh, and you know so the thing is like but basically we're all the same and like there should be no difference in the way we treat each other and all stuff but yet in society yeah. you still see that you still see like like you know sometimes like men especially but the worst part is like men will do men will do the same thing to other men also so like mm. they will they will yeah. be and that is like you know you know so it's like even women say that they kind of uh, go through a, a bad uh, go through suffering a bit like men go there are other men also who suffer at the same time so there are oh, like yeah. there are men also who like who act mean on other men who like you know some so there are some men who like beat up beat up other men as well at the same time and they'll do right, all these right. things and so as a man also you're not just so you can understand the pain or sometimes or the sort of you know the the kind of thing that women say right like you know it's like the discriminatory because even men go yeah. through that amongst them amongst men and themselves so it's like when that happens but it's like those select people that get the opportunity to actually like overpower the other person and dominate the other person and then get to the other side you know that is the that is the main so that that so it happens i think to most people and i think that's the reason why a lot of people are like kind of in today's society i think people are kind of fed up with this idea of like you know you have to be like kind of you have to be very strong in your like you know mentally physically it like you know like there's this expectation that you are supposed to be of a certain type in order to succeed like you need to have this idea you need you need like the the meaning of success is when somebody has a lot of money is wealthy enough to take care of their family to take care of the people around them but you know success also could just mean that you are happy as an individual if you can do that first then i think most of the problems in this world get resolved like right now you know no what's happening in afghanistan like people are like the, you know there's this thing where the taliban has come out and they're they've taken over yeah. the country and stuff like that so it's like there also people now, are like so yeah. isis also has a- yeah so i mean now so and but why does like you know why do, why do all these things happen because people are like you know it's just like ego it's just basically ego comes in the way and people act on their ego and there's this feeling of like i we want our ideas our values to overpower other people's ideas and values when the first thing is like if they were if they uh, forget about whether they even like learned because if they they true believers in their religion they wouldn't even need to do any of that in the first place because every religion would espouse the same thing which is that you should treat people with respect treat them with kindness no matter what happens and stuff and you should try to help the people around you but that's not what happens even amongst the most so called religious societies that doesn't happen even there also which is very uh, which is pretty sad actually because when you think about it 
there are people who come from like very like atheistic backgrounds and the minute they get even just an idea of what like religion is about or like they read something about the bhagavad gita and they're like oh wow i can implement this in my life and then they do it in such a way where it doesn't even feel like they are actually like uh, trying to sort of push their ideas onto somebody else it feels like they're just like respecting other people's boundaries and like they're just doing it peacefully in their own way and they're not doing anything else so i find that very there's a lot of there's a lot of hypocrisy in the way like uh, religious societies are structured like highly religious societies are structured and there also like and you know and there's like there's a lot of uh, interesting uh, uh, you know there's there's a lot of interesting ways of looking at societies that are not religiously inclined but when people mm-hmm. get religion into their lives they treated exactly how religion is supposed to be treated which is non partisan non discriminatory and non judgmental let's say for that actually it's just human nature to want it this is very unfortunate but the conditioned state very unfortunately it's human nature to start uh, immediately exploiting the power you have or the some superior qualifications you have the gender superiority because of the society we work in so that's definitely something to guard against and i feel a lot of problems in life can be avoided if people learn the simple art of saying no where you have to say no i am even you know i used to sometimes in a lighter mood say i wish i could teach seminars training people how to say where something is not no i'm not having it i'm not going to go along with it this is where i draw the line people don't do that so they kind of get taken advantage of and then they spend a lifetime complaining and complaining and analyzing and going for therapy all this can be avoided because everybody has a role to play and of course there is even take and you go the extra mile for someone you like and so on but i think in all our relationships not just the romantic ones we need to be aware because if we don't do that job of saying a firm no we are facilitating someone else to take advantage of us happening is look at maybe your grandfather very much held in esteem in society because you have to have to do so which means that what i have to i have to do and if people are respecting something too much or something i cannot do and it is not my job to do it i have to be able to draw the line and say this much i will do that i will not do that itself saves so much so many problems and complications the other thing is I know I might make myself unpopular with women when I say this especially with feminists I don't think that women need to be doing these feats and taking up professions just to prove a point that they're equal to men I think I think it's necessary at all you know they just have to fly on that plane that goes over they just have to take up this sport and they just have to be on the spaceship that goes to the moon in order to somehow make the point that they are equal to men what what is the big deal i don't understand what is the big deal in proving this point why not just be what you are and what you're comfortable with and try and kind of go forward with that i know the feminists are not going to like me at all and given in our child in a bnr kid yeah. i can understand speak? but then that is like um, because if like a lot of people would say that you know like what you're saying is like you know would be like very you know it's going against a lot of feminist movements or anything like that but then actually in reality like 
if you can't do something then you probably it's probably like not because of somebody else it's mostly because you're not able to do it and like you have to spend a lot of time introspect like if i don't know how to uh, if i don't know how to like draw that's not because i i don't have the ability to draw or because i don't know how to draw it's probably because i haven't spent time to learn how to draw so i don't know how to draw because of that or if i'm like if i'm not like if i'm not able to become like a high a senior manager in an organization or like some high post it's not because you know of something else uh, it's very easy to blame the other to blame that person and be like ah, it's because of that person i didn't get this thing but then if you really yeah, yeah. if you really look inside you'll understand that i didn't get it because i didn't give it 100% i was distracted i was doing i was doing this you know they asked me to do these things and submit these things on this time and i didn't do it at that time so then after some time when they uh, like when they were checking my or doing my audits and all that then they decided that this person would be more suited for this role and then accordingly this person gets a job and then this person is able to go on their life and do this and all that stuff and so if you're willing to accept if you're willing to be like okay this it's fine you know it's okay i don't mind it i think that it is very easy it's very uh, what do you say but then at the same time there'll also be people who be like the system is designed for people who are in privileged positions so then like if you are a man you are a slightly like you are you are slightly maybe at an advantage but the but the fact is that the in reality it may it may seem like that but in reality it's probably not like that because uh, in reality like you know i think there are so many people who i have met who are like women who kind of just who are able to just do things like who are able to do things much better than me you know sometimes they're able to do things and i'm like you know i am i look at them and be like you know how are they able to do it and i'm like yeah they can like you know it's possible for them to do all these things and i just have to learn like i have to accept that this is how it is and let's move forward and all that stuff but like just, yeah 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 so it's is that whole trip of like proving a point like just to prove a point the women push and push themselves i don't know if it's worth it i mean uh, what point prove to whom you know they don't like to do something or they are not cut out or they don't have an actual type they just have to prove that they can do it because uh, they are equal to men yeah i think this is just a guided way of dealing with the world and uh, women also play a role and some women fit into that role that's expected for them and some don't and women in sports are uh, have to be very strong especially the traditional by traditional i mean they may be working women but those who've gone through all the stages you know they've become mothers they've gone through painful childbirth they've had to deal with raising children all this requires a huge amount of strength and so what is the point in trying to prove that they have more strength than men or that is equal who is saying that they don't have strength and the biggest you know, problem the biggest problem is in the strength concept only basically because a lot of men suffer from this problem you know when you're in a group of men no the biggest thing is like there's always the guy who's the strongest is trying to dominate everybody else who's slightly weaker so like you're always you're constantly trying to see like who's the stronger person and whoever the stronger person is that person will dominate and then in the end like you'll be like you know so i am weak i don't know how to do this and then you have to just accept it you know so it's uh, this idea of of like going with strength is sometimes not a good idea because it can lead you into a it can it might not even uh, it might not give you 
like the best outcome it might not give you the best results in the end of the day like the because in the end of the day you just have to do your job you just have to do it to the best of your ability and so if you can do it with any means it's fine so i don't know it's very diff- it's a very difficult subject because gender is something that i don't know it's very difficult to say because everybody has their opinions now like some people will yeah. be like everybody has their opinions on this so it's like very difficult to say anything on this stuff yeah i know but i mean they're welcome to their opinion that's fine feel in some cases it's because it makes a lot of unhappy super aggressive people and aggression is never going to make us happy it's, you know aggression itself suggests that we are not really at peace with us some amount of pushing ourselves beyond the bar or oh, this is fine i know each one of us to do it to get out of our comfort zone but if it's all if it loses all sense of proportion and people are doing things just to prove a point i think firstly it's just kind of very unimaginative to go on that track it is so much more creative and imaginative to see what you have in your hand i mean your and gender and then work new new doors this other handed approach uh, uh, everyone must go on this track because we have to make this point that women are equal is damn dull it is so unimaginative to immediately swallow that that kind of you know to Uh, that kind of propaganda and go spend a whole lifetime doing it i have lots of friends who are on this track that's what i'm saying it i i not even really reason or them and i don't bother i mean it's just there it's okay it's there it is true there's a huge amount of discrimination and exploitation of women which makes one burn and the kind of the sexual crime yeah, yeah. and that's true mentality I have to say this also horrible every time i hear we talk about our indian culture what indian culture which country has this kind of horrendous crimes committed on minor girls and uh, politicians covering it up and getting away with it i don't know i think we need to do a huge amount of soul searching i agree that side i mean one cannot be blind to it absolutely one just can't be blind to it and also comes down to education I, like i think educating the maybe children at a very young age but also like maybe trying to there's there's a huge lot of things there's like educating children you have to change the system you have to um, you know there's so many things you have to do to get maybe one generation to start thinking in a different way but that is not going to uh, you know it'll take so it'll take a long time before we reach a place where there is gender equality and all that stuff i think it'll it won't it won't happen in this i'll take it won't happen in this generation that's for sure like my generation i don't think so but maybe like after two three generations maybe we'll start seeing things start changing but it'll take it it's like a structural thing that needs to change basically something in the educational field something like that in one one of the episodes you talked about the power of comedy and humor you remember mm. you you said yeah, yeah, yeah. that you know comedy like comedians Uh, through that uh, uh, that uh, tool of humor and comedy they are actually often making serious social points mm. points that what i was just wondering i wanted to tell you this is like uh, mm. perhaps outside the podcast but since it's such a relaxed mood have you seen this uh, series called panchayat it was on amazon uh, prime uh, it's a hindi one is it is it a hindi series hindi it's hindi panchayat season uh, had just eight episodes and you will find it on amazon prime you will find recordings on daily motion maybe 
but the thing is, shows a city bred uh, boy who to make it into uh, top class professional courses like mba mm-hmm. so he just his friends have already got into mba or have got into big jobs he mm-hmm. basically made playing around or putting around so he lost chance he is well intentioned intelligent so he takes up a job in a remote village as a secretary of the panchayat right mm-hmm. as a secretary position he gets just about 20000 which is nothing these days maybe mm-hmm. so he's uh, and he goes there for village in up and he is living a big city like over the eight episodes using humor and comedy not the slapstick kind subtle naturally hilarious situations the real communication gulf between the village characters and uh, uh, what he has to implement as a secretary of the panchayat from government orders you know the uh, he is baffled by the kind of thinking of you know what comes naturally to the village people every time some resource or something is sanctioned by the higher government like say they say you can have solar lights in the village 13 solar lights have been sanctioned you can go ahead and implement so this uh, this naive guy it calls this is i think for the practically the first episode he calls a meeting of the pradhan and the vice pradhan mm. of the panchayat and then he stumped because they their thought is if there are third solar panels solar lights that lamps street lamps that have been sanctioned uh, they, automatically there are 13 12 members and each one gets one in front of his house you know what we see as corruption for them it is the only way they think and then he is hard find a way how he can at least get out of that 13 so uh, a street lamp solar lamp so that he can get some regular supply of electricity to charge his emergency lamps and continue preparing for the mba in his mba exam in his after office hours so like the situation after situation and finally they break the barrier and there is no uh, uh, politically correct statements there are no there is no sharp rhetoric about exploitation and there is but eventually beautiful bridges are built across both sides you know from one side to the other full of humor full of scenic scenes and uh, they have meena gupta you know this famous uh, hindi actress meena gupta meena gupta yeah yeah she she plays a very important role in the whole thing she is actually elected as the pradhan of the panchayat because there's some reservation for women and so on but in effect it is her husband who play, who comes to the office and takes the decisions because she is not considered good enough or educated enough and the whole situation turns on its head through the gentle intervention of this panchayat secretary this city boy who goes there and it's not that he kind of argues some little argument is there all kinds of very interesting subtle very subtle and very satisfying to the mind because this inequities are there you know rural versus urban men versus women educated versus uneducated but just by harping on this point it just creates bad blood and rancor mm. whereas this is shows how beautifully they reach out to each other through some natural affection and the uh, orthodox conventional hard-boiled pradhan members develop a soft corner for this young buddhu panchayat secretary who's come city, you know so i somehow it resonated very well with me. 
I think comedy is I think comedy is something that is like uh, it's something that uh, actually can be very helpful to people because when you're like I have like I keep I, most of my time now I just spend like listening to uh, comedians like you know a lot of, I watch comedians and like I have a lot of like favorite comedians and yeah Do you uh, shows shows someone just comes to the mic and keeps yeah Uh, like I like a lot of stand-up comedies and all that, no specials and all that. So I listen to that. And uh, if you have it, and let me know. Yeah, if you have yeah, something yeah. to recommend. Yeah, yeah. There's like, see, there's like, um, there are. If you go to Netflix and just type a stand-up comedy, you'll find a list of stand-up comedians on there. So you can find okay. whatever you want to find. So there, it's like, and there's like a lot of people you can listen to. A lot of podcasts also that you can listen to where people talk. It's very, it's very interesting. But I think the, I think most people just don't have a sense of humor. I feel. I think people, are, <laughs> I think people take themselves so seriously, like that they are not yeah. able to just like maybe laugh a bit. Like I don't know, like the people are like very held on to their views, and like I feel comedy can really help in like just. making like actually it, it most of the comedians end up being like you know like people uh, you know like social commentators because you know when you when you say something that's funny you know it'll generally remember sticks in your mind when somebody says something very serious and all that stuff then it's like you'll be like oh i have to listen to this person like i have to do this i have to do that. okay okay fine fine but i think like when it's like a comedic thing i think people will listen regardless of whoever it is or not that's what i have noticed but like it's difficult also because you know when you interact with somebody like i'm sure you would also know god this when you interact with somebody like they are you know who knows so much about their field and you listen to them talk they speak and then you're like okay okay so where's the funny in this tell me something that's funny <laughs> and then they'll be like so that you know that when you introduce a joke no they'll be like why are you joking with me this time you know like <laughs> and so then, then you'll be like Hey, what's wrong with the joke? Why do you take it so seriously? You know, like you know, it's fine. And then you know, then you understand. You know that you know this person can't take a joke. So then, if he's saying all the serious thing, and he can't take a joke, then you know it's like, you know, I mean, like I'll listen to you, but like not that. Can I share just one briefly a thing that took place yeah. when I started the National Museum? Because this is why I could relate to this poor Sachi secretary of the Panchayat. You know, going from the city and suddenly stumped by everything in the because I came and joined as research fellow and they in the national museum and they gave me a room, uh, an office room. I mean, the national museum building actually is going to be demolished now as part of that great uh, vista or whatever Modi's plans. But the, it is central air conditioning, so there were no windows and it was like a smallish room with some uh, Godrej cabinets, glass cabinets. And my table and the intercom and so on. And I found some months passed that they would never give me the key to the door. Okay. And uh, uh, National Museum means uh, it's not just the teaching and the courses. They were selling replicas of the famous sculpture pieces. You know, you can have a terracotta bust and so on. You pay something like five hundred, three fifty, and you can take one home. They would come and. Ask. I would sign in a register. They would say, since my wall, ca- my cabinets were lying empty, could I? Could they just kind of put all that there, store it? 
and evening when i went away it obviously meant that my room remained unlocked because they said they lost the key and i should never quit shut the door because then i wouldn't be able to open and there were no windows in front so this went on for some time and uh, there was you know a director there called mr pan dr pan is no more apart from kumau i gradually dawned on me that i and my peers may think i am this highly educated person who's returned from oxford but the clerks here and this north indian janata not just north indian there was a malayali boy biju who was a steno they obviously think that these people are the biggest gurus you know that they come with all this high learning but they can't see what's happening under their nose and finally it clicked that they are making a real ass of me because they some corruption and fakery going on you see they it found out me the story about the door key being lost and man never click shut the door because then we we'll never do so it just just uh, uh, stories you know it's just cooked up really what's happening they are putting wild stacks and stacks rows and rows of you know the mohenjodaro dancing girl a, a, a plaster cast and some other buddha and sanchi stupa and everything and each one comes has value and when i am not there if they siphon off even four five and take the money for it and sell it they are making money and i am foolishly put, you know putting my signature on ledgers every time they come and actually when the whole thing dawned i was i was new and i didn't know who i could trust keep complaining to the director who chabini there i would complain to the superintendent of clerks mr giri and they would all oh, madam madam kya karenge finally i think it, i learned one major life lesson here i said i am going to push it to breaking point i really had enough it's going to be make or break because nobody is dealing with me fairly so one evening again i said what is this is very difficult you know tomorrow i may buy a computer those were the early days of the computer i want to leave it what do you mean i can't lock my door etc there was this pune called ajay who would come and give chai and samosa and matri and stuff so uh, it's a small room so i somehow got him in mucha wala remember he had he was generally helpful but of this crooked racket so i got him inside and i said you just try the lock on the other side ajay and just click the door shut and the whole door just shut the fire was trapped inside oh my and God. i said you know what to do or he bhagwan we going to do and kind of paint the whole racket and said banged on the door and everything and he just he just appeared suddenly mr <laughs> Ramesh Jamangzi thinks and said, "Let me let me look. There used to be an old key, and within about let's say ten minutes, the key appeared and the door opened." Oh wow! So, that's that's amazing. Like, yeah, I, I, there's one thing which is to write or shoot off letters complaining to the director and to the HRD ministry and say I've not been I've been discriminated against. There, uh, you know, something is fishy is happening. That's one thing, one way. and to harp and whine and cry the another way is to show some originality and follow your own instinct and just crack the problem you see you see meaning and after that i never made an issue i never mentioned the key they knew it and i knew it that i just seen through their whole game so i had the key with me and after that every day i would lock and go and if they needed something they would tell me you know please leave the key we have to take this and you know we will reach the key to your house and so on So I'm just trying to say my takeaway from this whole incident is 
the conventional method of fighting and arguing and uh, bargaining is necessarily the only way you can be intelligent and original and innovative and humorous this, this really had this poor ajay fellow trapped inside and he couldn't come out you know like you see in some of these last slides <laughs> Huh? And yeah. Problem, yeah. This kind of my approach generally when I go through life situations where I know someone is sleeping or when I know is not right, I just like I don't hesitate. I pull the carpet rug from under their feet so that the whole thing just gets you know gets righted Diffuse. or whatever. Diffused. But like um, I wanted to know like uh, like two more questions because I think we have we spoken yeah. for a long time. <laughs> so. So the thing is, uh, like one question I want to ask you, like, um, like, um, like I don't know how to frame this, like, enough. But then I've heard a lot of these like talks recently. I think it is. I don't know if you know this guy. What is his name? Ramdas. You heard of Ramdas, right? Obviously, Ramdas. Ram. Yes. Yeah. So like, um, was it Ramdas or I think yeah, Ramdas only. Where or this? Or meaning Sri M. No, no, no. Ramdas. There's a Ramdas. Actually, a foreign, like, as a, a person, like an American, spiritualist person. He died actually uh, a couple ah. of years back. Your meet the Kumaon Himalayan region. Uh, no, no, no. Ramdas is a person. He's a like uh, he was a spiritual monk, and like um, he was the follower of uh, Ramana Maharshi, the oh, person. Oh. I don't know if you know so, that. Okay, yes. Okay, go on. Ha, so the thing is um so there's this like um I don't know but I found it a little interesting this idea of death like for instance like when people talk about death no like he was saying that you know most people like go through their entire life without even thinking about death Think- that much and like death being like a inevitability for everybody like you know people should spend more time thinking about death because if you spend more time thinking about death you'll understand the you know when it comes to you you won't feel that bad you won't feel that sad you won't feel that disappointed like you know because we go through our lives we take everything for granted like parents are there brother is there sister is there so and so person is there all these people are there or like you have some family members also no so like we go through life like this and but then at some point you know people will go away they'll die will happen so like how do you how do people deal with that con that idea of death what do you what do you think Actually, about he's saying it's a profound statement hmm. because nobody likes to talk about death least of all even spiritual organization and hmm. generally you will see grown up people become very uncomfortable if you bring up this topic because there's only one thing that what certain about in this world and that is death right hmm. i mean none of us chiranjeevi yeah. or eternal it becomes easy or not i mean relatively easy to digest this kind of concept if we are willing to accept that there is rebirth and life after death and that there has been life before this birth i have already died once earlier it's not something i'm going to do for the first time if one accepts that first kind of foundational principle then this is actually the vedas even say that this life that we are taking so seriously spread over 60 years 70 years whatever is just like a blip you know it just like blip on a radar screen 
let's all because there is uh, of course that may be too difficult to accept that there have been thousands and millions of births or and will be more but this is the way to go about it that we've done it before so then it doesn't seem so strange and so frightening and why it's very important to often talk about death and to discuss is it puts everything else in perspective all our disappointment and failure and lamentation and uh, you know squaring off with someone else it can all just come to an end in time so why not be happy in the time that we have which nobody knows how long it is and for each person and why not be fair and why not also take that because life is short why not do something worthwhile with it that's the next question that that, that deduction why just fool around and of course everyone needs the relaxation and we all need to chill out and entertain and but why not just be serious about whatever we are doing and you know make informed choices uh, pick our battles carefully we can't be fighting about everything all the time pick our battles very carefully certain things i'm not going to get involved with because i know i don't stand a chance i can't make any difference there certain other things circumstances there's a possibility i can make a difference for the better so i pick that battle i think this this kind of alertness all this comes if you accept that death is a reality it can happen any time it's not as if there's nothing after death it is there is life after death there is like you say i mean you even now have been scientifically proven so many instances of people who almost went to the other side and came back on the operation table they have this kind of very vivid memories that they were floating about often they heard the conversation when they were unconscious of people who discussing different things and then they come back into that it's scary but this is what the soul is supposed to do that it exists and hovers around actually for some time that's why certain number of days are given before you do you know certain functions because the soul it goes through before it crosses over it goes to the favorite places it's still hovering around it's invisible it's tiny and uh, so death is certainly a, a something that people need to speak of and people need to come to terms with and goes uh, one one goes through the loss of a dear person it's traumatic it will always remain traumatic it comes back to haunt whether the person was young or old or prepared for it or whatever but at the same time it's it's doable going through it oneself and uh, seeing someone else go through it it's doable if we have already got preparation and understood and grappled that finally you and i all of us are impermanent beings at least i mean as we are today a young boy lady in her late 50s malayali or german or whoever it's all impermanent bodily designations it will evaporate at the time of death some memories will remain but the atma moves on to its next residential quarters you know its next body which is earned by its karma by its natural inclination and desires so on if these things get equalized or god computes all this information and then creates the next residential quarters for that atma so it's the atma is still very much there and uh, like i know uh, someone it's also often a, a source of solace to people like is this terrible this you know this gang rape victim uh, in delhi in 2012 some people came in contact with her father and mother the father is a head load worker in the airport the mother is a housewife this girl was a young physiotherapist i think they call her nirbhaya or abhaya or something 
she died of course because of the horrific so the question was what are we to say to the parents nothing you say is going to make help in any way mm. of course you are the assailants were hand and uh, the huge battle and but whoever interacted i think someone from delhi is gone they just told the mother that daughter as you know her is gone and in one sense her physical suffering is over the physical body has perished but the atma is definitely there it is gone on to a, a, another body in another place so what actually the root of all our fear is because is death like you correctly said nobody wants to talk about that and we the fears are coming from and fear in point leads to anxiety insecurity anger what is the fear because everything can come to an end for us and for whoever we are attached to but once we accept that we ourselves the atma is eternal it goes across lifetimes then uh, 50% of the fear goes away you know it 50% goes away because it is this inner feeling that uh, something is Uh, going to slip out of our hands that causes much fear and anxiety and uh, psychological and other problems and particularly because society doesn't want to deal with it or talk about it when it happens societies have their own set systems of dealing with it there is mourning there are uh, you know smriti sabhas where people remember the dead person there are feasts that are given there are rites that are done the black crow is called the pinda pradhan and so on you take the ashes and put it in a holy river and hope you know person gets moksha or mukti that's all there but at a personal level the way to deal with it is to understand that we are eternal beings and we may die this body may perish but the atma just automatically not automatic with some gap moves on into the next residential quarter and we've done it before it's not something we're going to do for the first time but like yeah that's a that's obviously that's a very profound the idea of the the soul or the or the soul and then the paramatma which is the soul that is connected to the supreme soul and like yeah, yeah. Uh, so the fact is that like so that is also like a way of saying that you know you are always connected to god whether you like it or not <laughs> i mean that that sort of uh, thing is there you're not alone don't forget that that image of the on a tree mm. when you it's and i exit this body and move somewhere else that same paramatma comes with me so it comes with you yeah we are not abandoned okay that mm. that's the idea whether it or accept it or not we are is there as a friend and witness she into the next quarter hopefully like you know uh, you know like we can at least talk to more people like you know uh, it's very difficult to like ask somebody like what do you think about death because then people will be like Oh, uh, why you? I'm still alive. Like you know, I have so much time left. You know, <laughs> like like it's very difficult to say that. You know, like uh, they'd be like, okay, okay, it's fine. Okay, let's try to talk about something else. It's okay. You know? <laughs> so it's like yeah. But anyways, I'm so like uh, I think I think Supesh Ji, I think we've spoken for a very long time. So I mean like, but I think we could have had this conversation. I think for another God knows how many more hours. I think. But thank you so much for coming on. The, thank you so much. Thank you for calling me. I meaning I I was initially anxious that one and a half hours is pretty long. You know, of course, I give class for one hour usually, and I was even going to ask whether I can negotiate with you. But then I saw that it's just moving. Uh, your episode moves on in a relaxed way. That maybe 
it won't be so difficult i just hope i'm not meaning i have a tendency to uh, to speak extra loud because no no that's perfect can... that's okay that's yeah. fine that's fine do something if i am a little screamy in this i have been a bit screamy screamy you can you can go ahead and do that but uh, i am also very happy to have got this chance and i hope uh, i mean well I, nothing to hope i learned a lot like from this podcast like from you like a lot of things i learned and i'll remember a lot of things that you said also i think you said a lot of profound things at the same time i'll have to maybe look at the hear the podcast one more time just to pick up on the things again <laughs> but thank you so much for coming super jj we should always like we should try to meet up once maybe when you come to cochin or nakulam or something we'll try maybe come to our home or we'll try meeting you somewhere else if, if possible and all that stuff amazon and through these podcasts another thing i need to thank you for kanan uh, siddharth is i'm getting to know my younger cousins okay you know, i didn't know names to me and the rashweta and there is ఇంకా Okay. All right bye thank you so much super jeji for coming on the show like we should do it again one more time i'll have other questions that i can ask you also. and we should meet up also okay yeah all right thank bye you. bye yeah